of knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 410. Jason Lingren is with me, and Kyle Denton is joining us from Tippy Canoe Herbs. And I know that Jason and Rose are using the herbal products and they are very impressed. Matter of fact, I've heard a lot of good things. Um, I, I got some too as well. It's just that I'll catch everyone up. Uh, I haven't recorded a thing for two weeks. Jason and Rose and I knew my mom was coming to the end of the road. So we went like banshees and booked endless, I don't know, five, six, seven, maybe eight or nine even episodes in advance. Uh, my mother passed away on the 21st of dementia. And at some point I will get on the air. Maybe it'll come up in this conversation. I don't know. And I'll try to offer what I learned because it's a hell of a thing to deal with. And for people who don't know what to expect, maybe we can help them a little bit with what I learned. Anyhow, having said that, welcome, Jason. Oh, and a very hot good morning. Yeah, it's not hot here. Uh, our friend in, in Michigan got snowed on just a few days ago, and we're still waking up in the 30s. But let's just jump right in. Welcome, Kyle. Hello. Nice to be here. Now, I'm still trying to focus my brain back in from all that's happened, but you had sent me a package of some of your things, right? Yep, that's right. You got them. Good. I, my, my wife loved the, you know, I'm going to mess up because I've had so many things on my mind, but the one where you take a teaspoon, like it, like almost like it was cough syrup, it's a, a vinegary. Yeah, it's a super berry cider, elderberries and uh, some other berries infused into apple cider vinegar and honey. Yep. She loves it. Um, cool. She has asthma and she's had problems with her lungs and we noticed some benefits. So as we're getting in here, well, before we start, let's tell everyone where they can get your products. The reason you're here is because we know your stuff is good. And by the way, everyone listening, Kyle and his wife just had their first and moved into the natural birth, which they did at home, Kyle. That's right. Yep. So at home, uh, having learned from the experiences that we've covered here, which is the whole reason we do it. But why don't you tell people how they can get a hold of you in any way that you choose? We're an hour one. If you give out an email address, you might get pummeled. There you have it. Cool. Yeah. Pummel me. Tippycanoeherbs at gmail.com. I have a website, tippycanoeherbs.com. You'll find products. You'll find classes. I'm going to talk a lot about like teaching about herbalism today. So um, if that interests you, you can find some classes there. And um, yeah, that's where you can find me. Or you can find me on the Bertaria Times app at Herbalist Bear. And that's where I'm in in the comments, Herbalist Bear and the Crow Triple Seven website as well. These are high quality herbal products made with someone who has skill. And I think that's worth mentioning. It's one thing to go out and buy some herbal products. It's a whole other thing to do it from someone with skill. Probably should spell Tippy Canoe. And probably when this goes live, you should jump in the morning that we put episode 410 up and put links so people can see how you spell Tippy Canoe. You betcha. T-I-P-P-E-C-A-N-O-E-H-E-R-B-S.com. All right, Jason, give me a break today. As I get back into this, why don't you lead us in? Well, let's start with the first point here, which is pretty simple. What does it mean to communicate with nature? Well, yeah, that's a good question. And I, I'd like to speak about a practical guide to discerning the healing gifts of nature, specifically plant medicine and applying common sense um, and developing spiritual senses as well as a form of communication with the natural world. So if I opened a discussion about plant communication with some random people, say, in line at the post office, there, there might be someone who takes me as, a, as like a guy who's into psychedelics and hemp beads and bongo drums and tarot cards and stuff like that. But I don't have anything against bongo drums. It's okay. I mean, actually, the Crow 777 theme song is one of my favorite songs. But I just wanted to reframe the idea of communicating with the natural world to a practical matter. And I'd say necessary, actually. And um, 
it doesn't mean that there's superpowers involved. Granted, like I have some friends that I have a friend that's a sommelier, sommelier, a wine taster. <laughs> she can hold up a glass of wine and she can swish it around and she can tell you which region the grape came from just the, by the way it clings to the glass. And I, I have another friend who lives in Peru and I was trained as an apprentice under a curandero and learned to sing songs of the plant spirits in a native language that only a few hundred people will speak. And there's the guest on your previous episode that was describing the Kalahari Bushman and their amazing abilities. And there's this romanticization about the spiritual experience that another can have when it comes to like the natural world and plants, but about us lay people, you know, it's like, where, where do regular people get that? And I'm here to claim my birthright and also offer that uh, to know, let you know that it's yours as well from the, the, to know the natural world. And from that, know the creator of the natural world. The natural world is part of our inheritance that you talk about, Crow. And that's, was like, oh, oh, wait, it was like, wait, Kyle, are you telling me that like the weeds and the thistles and the garden and all the stuff that we're like supposed to till and all this is like a gift from God? And it's like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying in a way, you know, <laughs> sometimes there's, it's not just there for us to take, but there's lessons in that too. And I think we have a, a tendency in our society to overthink things and complicate things with studies of like active chemical components of a plant and how to isolate and maximize components and all this stuff. And it's, it's really opposite in my opinion. It's easy. It's um, one way I, um, I, I just think about it is um, from the book of Matthew, um, there's a line in there that says, become like little children to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I think that things that are uh, truly worth knowing are elementary at their foundation. You have a firm foundation to grow and you'll always have something to come back to when you fall. And that's what I'd like to kind of put down here is a foundation of plant communication. I, and there's people in this world that that uh, live, live, there's people in this country, the Amish. Um, sometimes I'm like, dang, they're, they're out there proving that living men and women can not live in a world of materialistic machinery and thrive. So what does it mean to communicate with nature? It's not, it's not a material thing. It's communication by on, on its definition is immaterial and can never be materially verified. So therefore um, communication is transcendental and that includes the communication of the natural world. I would add in, in the current world that we find ourselves, people need to get back to what you're talking about because of what's about to happen. It may change. There could be an act of God, but the road that we are headed on, uh, like the Amish, uh, if you want to be free of what's going to be foisted forward, if they get what they're going, um, is going to require that you quit using the goods and services of the technocracy to some level, which means that you need to get back to your inheritance as a beneficiary of this creation. And when you opened up there talking about plants, you know, in my mind, and I know it's not 100%, 90-some percent of all medicine that I've been familiar with that's real medicine comes from the plant kingdom. And there are other things, too, in alchemy uh, that don't rely solely on the plant kingdom, but the majority of it is. And that brings us back to another thing that we've been separated from, which is the sky clock. I don't know, almost a year ago, I think we interviewed a guy who was big on bamboo, and here he was trotting out the information from his village-like area where, oh, we know to cut the bamboo at this phase of the moon so it doesn't rot. And so here you are, an herbalist, and I'm guessing the sky clock means more to you than most. Is that a fair assumption? Yeah, definitely. As In fact, uh, today um, that we're recording is about three days past a new moon. 
And that means it's going to be the day that I'm going to be planting seeds in the garden. And I have a special way that I do it where called signature seeding, which I maybe I'll talk about in a second. And, um, and so, yeah, even things like that, uh, harvesting plants, um, you know, we, there's an influence of the, of the sky clock on, uh, plants. Let's say there's Martian, big Martian, um, influences on a plant. And, um, I, so I'll harvest it on a Tuesday, for example, or when those, uh, Martian, uh, influences are, are there. Um, so it's, it's something that's always on my mind. And, and actually the more you get it's herbalism and learning herbalism and learning these foundations is a really great way to accelerate all these other, uh, ways of, of learning about things. You can learn about the sky clock. You can learn about the plants. You can learn about healing. You can learn about plant communication, common sense, spiritual sense. And, um, so yeah, that's, Basically, um, if you don't, yeah, I can just jump back in about common sense. We're, we're, um, that's what we're given to discern, you know, what's right and wrong, good and bad, day and night, uh, if the moon is high, if the moon is um, new. And just applying common sense, sharpening our senses, um, we just regain our ability to discern with clarity, with certainty, and find abundant medicine in the natural world. Let's cue Jason up here before we do it. In in the actual world, in the creation, there is a season for everything. There is a time for everything. And the technical world has made us all forget. Your cell phone will work any day of the week, any second of the day. It doesn't give a damn what the season is. And so will the internet. And by the way, the grocery store will be giving you everything it ever gives you any time of the year. Does not care that there is a season for everything. And this is how we began to separate the problem is, is if the cell phone goes off, which it might, by the way, that's possible. And if your grocery store is no longer stocked, which could happen someday, uh, guess what? All you have left is there's a season for everything. Those people who have been, I don't know how to call it, trampling on the natural truths that make this creation, that provide everything, they've been hacking it so that you can have an orange in any month. And when they quit hacking or their ability to hack is impeded in some way, we're all back to the beginning, which cues Jason up pretty well. Did we lose our capability to commune with nature? I think we're talking a lot about sense, common sense, and it seems like there's a lot of common sense that's gone out the window in this world. Um, but it's, it's something that's inherent for everyone to regain again. Like I said, applying common senses. I have this, let me, let me talk about this uh, compass I have in my mind. This is something that I use to discern a lot about communication with nature, and this is the foundation of a lot of things. So just picture in your mind, it's a, I call it the four directions of knowing. So picture in, in your mind in front of you a circle like you're looking at a clock face, and you make an X shape through that circle. So you're dividing into four equal pie pieces. There's an axis at the center, and each one of these pie pieces represents the compass. There's north, south, east, and west. So if we were to bring our imagination to the right side of the clock face or the right side of the compass in the east, we have the east is a regard, you know, it's, it has to do with the element of air. This is where the sun rises. You know, this is where we have, it's related to the season of spring. It's where we get new information. We plan our day. We have this imagination. It's related to the latest science on the horizon. And moving clockwise and throughout the year, we, had, we move into the south. This is the element of fire. This is the realm of the sun and summer. And it's where direct experience, it's the present. It's about clinical impressions. So we have east, future, south, present, west. 
um, we have, that's the season of the fall. That's related to the element of water. And that's intuition, turning inwards, like aha moments, just inspiration like that. Um, the north, we have the body of knowledge. This is the related to earth and winter. And it's, it's hard and it's uh, tradition and it's text and scriptures and things that are handed down and ancestral knowledge. And in each one of these directions, there's also, um, I think about there's like the wizard of, or the, the wicked witch or the wizard. I like the word wizard better, but it's like the inversion in that. And so in the East, you have the inversion of, you know, imagination and science on the horizon is like scientism and like future overcoming the present. In the South, the inversion would be like, of the present and direct experience would be hypermaterialism and appetites of the flesh. And then the wizard of the West is base emotions and inability to reason instead of your intuition. And the North, uh, those that, that invert the body of knowledge and tradition are obscuring history and it's dogma. And so my idea is that, um, you know, when it comes to experience, I want to find myself right in the center of those of that access. Each one of these seasons um, has particular qualities to them as well: uh, hot, dry, damp, and um, sorry, hot, cold, damp, and dry. And I want to be right. I want to be right in the center. And if I put myself like if I now, if you take that clock face and you put it, imagine it going down on a table. So now that's like a two-dimensional like paper plate, I guess, if you if you will. Um, and imagine just like poking a hole right through the center with a pencil so that it becomes a, a, a top or something like that, that you could spin around. And that, that's where I want to be. I want to be able to look around in all of these directions at 360 degrees. I want all of that information to come back to me and I want to expand it outwards. And now what I've just created in uh, hopefully in your visual, in your mind, you can see a toroidal field. And that, and that particular access in the center where I want to be is the qualities of expansion and contraction. So we have now the four elements, and then we have the four qualities, hot, cold, damp, dry. And if we're in the center looking out, we have tension and relaxation or uh, moving outwards. Does that make sense? Yeah, what you're beginning to point out is that this is all inclusive. And so uh, as you're speaking, I'm trying to think of ways to tie it into a mind. But let me go back to the initial question. Did we lose our capability to commune with nature? No, we didn't. What we lost temporarily was our ability to give a damn about caring and knowing about nature. And so I think that's what you're getting into. But I mean, in just what you've laid down, that goes through every Buddhist tenant I've ever read, ancient Indian, every tenant I've ever read, the so-called luminaries that are called planets, those descriptions of hot, cold, damp, dry, that's, you could describe Saturn with two of them and you know it, and I know you know it. Um, these things were known at a time, but to get back into it, um, Kyle, maybe we should say, how does a person start to reconnect? Most of us are disconnected. Most of us are stuck in a cell phone that doesn't give a damn what the season is. And the way I did it, and I think anyone can do it their own way, is I started years ago going, wait a minute, why is that plant the color it is? How come this plant has five petals on its flower and this one has more than I can count? And then I began to put it together. I realized that knowing something of cymatics showed me that everything is vibration. Everything, every single thing can be described as vibration. As Walter Russell 
puts forward in the universal one. It's that one idea that this foundation creates everything. So what I began to do was look at the color and I would say, well, that's a blue. Did that blue require white or black on that flower to get to its shade? Well, it's light blue. So it required white. That's a spiritual idea. And then I would start to think, is that a higher vibration or a lower vibration based on those simple tenets? And then I would come to something like a, you know, a, a thistle that is so complex. There are so many things going on. You know, instantly that plant has to be a high vibration and it's a very dark purple telling me that black was added to that hue, but at the base of it all, I know it's vibration. So the reason I'm pointing all this out Kyle, is in an effort, each of us can go out and start to reconnect and each of us will probably do it differently. But what do you think about trying to, to wrap your head around it in the way I just did? Yeah. So everybody's, everybody's find something that interests you outside in the natural world. And like I said, I, I think that this is a, a great way to reconnect with our creator. So you want to discern that you want to discern your spirituality. Uh, maybe it's a practical matter for you. You want to just it's, it's all about utility. You want to grow your food better. You want to make sure um, your family's taken care of. Um, there's, there's all kinds of, like I said, there's all kinds of ways of getting back to it. But um, if anyone's listening now to your show, I'm guessing that everyone's aware of the potential for, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, like the grocery stores closing down and stuff like that. It's, it's, we, I'm not, you know, we're, I'm not, I don't want to lay down that we have to, you know, go join the Amish and everything like that. We can take baby steps and make our, our world a better place through uh, reconnecting with the natural world. And I'm not talking about, um, you know, the worship of nature either. I'm, I'm talking about finding our place within it and knowing, knowing a creator in that way. And yeah, I, I, I agree. Absolutely. Let's talk, we could talk about Paracelsus because you mentioned the vibrational patterns and stuff like that. And I think that's a really, Paracelsus was a historical figure from um, the 16, early 1600s. And he um, compiled many, many um, books, including one called The Signature of All Things and coined this phrase, the doctrine of signatures, which I use a lot. And I, basically the, the relevance between him um, and his per- particular period and ours parallels our own quite a bit, actually. He was a troublemaker he was uh, around the same time as the Reformation that was happening, the Protestant Refor- Reformation, and he had a uh, he was a, a, a he was a physician and a, and a troublemaker of a physician. There was an established paradigm of his time, and it relied on the body of knowledge and empiricism. And there, basically, what he was doing was rejecting that. He was saying, "I don't, you know, there's nothing wrong with scientific method and um, and stuff, but." Basically, what you're what you're doing is telling me to reject the the senses that I'm getting from my own common sense and my own eyes and my own impressions. And um, the authorities would hate him; they would run him out of town. If he was alive today, his, his YouTube would be canceled for sure. If you, the people loved him though because he was a healer and he could heal them, and he had a huge reputation for his ability to heal. And um, you know. The, the historical accuracy of Paracelsus is a little dicey because he was a big enemy of a lot of people and a lot of, you know, his name wasn't even Paracelsus. It was actually um, Theophrastus, Bombastus, Philippus Aurelius von Hunnenheim. Say that three times fast. <laughs> you know, the, the name Paracelsus was kind of an insult, but it stuck. And, um, but anyway, he's, uh, 
uh, you know, he's rejecting the status quo. He's going, he's traveling all around. Um, he enlists in all of these uh, armies, basically. He just wants to travel and he wants to learn from the people. He wants to learn from the farmers and the, and the peasants and the sorcerers. And he's, so he j- joins basically any army in Europe and marches all around from you know, Italy to Northern Europe and Britain and to Moscow. He gets captured by the Tartarians and maybe even initiated in some shamanic ceremonies there. Who knows? And, and he goes to um, Egypt and studies with the Greeks and studies in Turkey and all that. This is where, you know, alchemy and hermeticism was kind of coming back into this time. And um, so he's compiling all of this stuff into uh, basically learning healing from the non-academics and just disregarding um, the academics at the time and kind of comes up with this principle, this idea that, wow, you don't need to have a body of knowledge in order to learn how to heal. You don't need to have, well, uh, the word body of knowledge is like the, that word can be even, uh, it's a play on words too. Right. But anyway, like uh, you don't, you can, um, you can use your empiricism. You can use uh, your spiritual sight, and your common senses and um, develop the understanding of nature through these things. One of them is called a signature, the doctrine of signatures. And it's basically a signature is um, the, the word nature is in it. It's a uh, sig. It means labeled nature. Uh, so it's actually a signature is a fiat in its own, the word itself. It's like, let it be known in nature. A practical application. It's a practical application of the correspond, the doctrine of correspondence. So as within, so without, made in the image of our creator, all that. And the idea is that the shape, the color, the appearance, the environmental niche, the taste, the smell, etc., all of that of a plant or a natural substance will display the telltale signs uh, and configurations, how it can be used in medicine. For example, for instance, um, Yellow plants that appear like bile, they might be useful for the liver and red plants are medicine for the blood, purple plants for blood infections, etc. The shape is also an important feature and, and so on and so on. And so he's got a cool quote. He says, the virtue is signed in the form, figure, corpus, and substance that through the signature, the interior may be opened and the wisdom and the virtue may be made known. And I think of the signature or the doctrine of signatures, the signatures of the, of the natural world as octaves of creation. Like you were saying, Crow, like vibration, it's different densities of the vibration um, that materialize and, and they're all from a, a similar octave. Like the creator manifests similar forms and functions with these. And I like to think of it this way, like in the Psalms of David, he addresses the chief musician. I think that's, I love that. And here, if you don't mind, I'm going to give a little example here. I have this string here. This is a vibration that when played, let's just say, for example, for the sake of example, that when sung into existence, uh, this, this right here becomes a ginkgo biloba tree. And that ginkgo biloba tree with its shape and form uh, from a distance, it looks like the inside of a lung. It's, if you look closer up, it looks like the alveolar alveoli of the lung. And if you take a really close look at the leaf itself, it looks like a brain with two hemispheres. And then this note when played is the lungs of a human, of a living person. And then this note when played, um, this is where we can access memory. And then this note when played 
is our circulation. And then this is the octave of creation, an example that the chief musician is playing. He's going like this. So that's kind of how I think of it. Like it's just different vibrational frequencies that are harmonic, that are resonating, and they are condensing in different patterns, but we're able to understand them and see them not just by tuning our common senses and the material senses, but also tuning our spiritual senses and, and being able to see something from a distance and say, that's good for my lungs. That's good for my memory. How did I know that? I've never seen a brain <laughs> in real life because I'm a farmer or something like that. But we just know, we know these things. And this is, that's what Logos is. It's the creation of these things. Um, and, uh, and, and additionally, each harmonic, each string that I just played there, it has an, a harmonic impact on the other strings. It might not be audible, but if I, if I tapped that first string there, it's going to vibrate the other strings a little bit. To an, you know, to an untrained ear, you can't really perceive it, but if you get close enough, you can see it. And that's the idea that I'm uh, trying to show here is that we can, put, we, we can tune ourselves to all of not only uh, what those vibrations mean and each one isolated, but how they also uh, resonate with the others. Perfect. All those juicy harmonics are also why analog things sound better than digital things, generally speaking. Oh, that's a good point because that is a natural, that is part of nature to have the harmonic. It's not being synthesized, but Dylan, pick up your guitar and play an open A note. Um, and we'll make the example to try to illustrate the era that we're in. So let's just say that the open A note he's going to play represents human consciousness. So grab just the note, open A. All right. So that's where we were a hundred years ago. Go up to the double dot and play the same note uh, an octave higher. <laughs> Now play the original that you just came from. All right. So that lower note was our consciousness at some point. Play the double dot an octave higher. This is where we're headed right now. So it's the exact same note, but what's happened is we've moved up an octave. And I'm pretty sure Kyle could point out things about the luminaries. Like this is the idea of uh, those outer luminaries that for my money don't really apply so much to us right now called Neptune and Uranus. That's why they're octaves higher than we are not. We're not quite there yet to receive that high octave, but the description you just gave is perfect. It proves that vibration is under it all. And then you did kind of a, a demonstration of how you could look at it. Yeah. How we can look at it, how we could not just look at it, how we can hear it, how we can touch it, how we can see it and smell it and all of our use all of our senses to um, be absorbed in the vibrational experience that this that is condensed into this material world, and also, uh, you know, once we see and hear and smell and all these things, then we start to say, "I want to know what else I can do with this instrument of mine." And that's what I really like to do is not just teach these base senses or the as Brandon Big Sip calls the serpent sense, which is you know under the jurisdiction of the material world, but also the spiritual sense and being able to understand and see, comprehend the, you know, the meaning of things, not just, um, you know, the uses of plants, but their virtues. And I like to, I really like to reframe that and not just, uh, I'm talking about plants in particular here, but this could be anything in the natural world, not like, how do we use it? Because I could think about how do I use, um, how would you use me? Like, um, you know, um, but instead, if you want to develop a relationship, 
with me, then you start to think about my, my virtues and not just what I'm useful for. And that's what I really like to do. And when I teach about plant medicine as, as well is that um, in our, in our kind of give me, give me paradigm that we have here, the word use is, is something that, that um, we oftentimes talk about with the plants, but I think about virtues and what do they mean? Why, why are they here? What, what are they, what else do they have to offer? Is there things that they can offer us without us even ingesting them and it's, there's a there's a quote in Matthew I just read about like so you're just going to go into the wilderness and I'm just paraphrasing here but it's like you're going to go into the wilderness and just look at a a reed blowing in the wind because what Jesus was saying at that time is there's so much more there's so much more than than just looking at things and uh, beholding things we can find meaning and true true meaning in our life uh, as well as connecting in this way with the natural world you know. There's a lot of talk about, and this is a little off track, but it's within within your sphere. Um, cannabis gets brought up all the time. We had Fortune on too, not too long ago, and it's an unfortunate thing to talk about because cannabis is a plant. It's quite important. At one time, it is my comprehension that it made up a major portion of actual naturopathic healing, not too, too far back, maybe in the early 1900s. But in the way it's been used recently, a lot of it's been just to make you high and lazy. And the real truth is, is that it is one amazing plant. And the reason I'm bringing this up is I know a lot of people who grow cannabis. And what I notice is they have made the connection back to nature. They love that plant. They work every day to understand that plant, to become simpatico, to learn all the plant can teach them about where they want to go with the plant. And uh, it is probably one of the communities at the highest level of trying to tune into what nature is offering that I'm aware of the people growing cannabis because of their intense interest in the plant. And what I notice is their spiritual world changes when they start to try to make that connection with the plant they're growing. One of the things that I like to teach about is the plants are here for a reason. And sometimes we can get really idealistic and be like, wow, there's so many cool things to learn about so much, so much plants, but one of the things that I really want to say is go outside and find five plants within 500 feet. There's a, there's a reason why these plants are within this environment that you are sharing. Find five plants within 500 feet. And sometimes they, sometimes they pop up in the spring. They're there in the spring for a reason. Sometimes they pop up in the, in the summer. They're in the summer for the reason. Sometimes we harvest their roots in the fall because it's a reason. There's a reason for that. And learn these five plants really, really well. And if you know five plants within 500 feet of your house, you can do. You can. You could probably heal just about anything that comes your way because they are sharing the same environmental stressors as you, and they are abundant. And I'm not talking about like you know plants that you know we have to import from you know some exotic location or some mountain town that. We have to exploit the you know indigenous population or something to get them. Just talking about our own uh, weeds, basically. And then, on, as far as marijuana or, and cannabis and all, and that's concerned, um, I, we got some property up in the it's like on the border of Upper Peninsula and Wisconsin, and I live in Wisconsin. And um, we're going to be building. And uh, there's some guys that actually listen to this podcast, and they're going to help me um, <laughs> create a, a hempcrete home which is um, basically hemp fibers. So industrial applications of the plant, you know? So when people hear cannabis they, and they draw the little, 
leaf on their notebooks in middle school and stuff like that, you know, and listen to uh, rap and stuff. There's so much more to this plant. It's really, really cool. Uh, all the things that you can do with it, the regenerative qualities that it has and everything like that. And when you start to learn about that, because it's a really popular plant, it's famous, it has a lot of energy, um, you know, zeitgeist energy into it. Well, once you get past that and you can say, holy moly, I know, and, and you start learning about other plants, you're like, wow, a lot of plants are like that. A lot of plants have the same regenerative quality. A lot of them can be used for textiles. Stinging nettle can make great uh, textiles and cordage. Um, and um, has some of the similar healing qualities as cannabis too, and so on and so on. It's really, really cool. Once you just start, um, instead of taking what you're, what you're learning from books and everything like that, just be in, in the world, just be uh, not, you know, of the world, just go out there and, and uh, see what, see what kind of gifts have been brought our way and, and learn about them and be immersed in them. And that's really fun too ask and you shall receive, right? There's a truth in that. You can literally go out and talk to a plant and say, Hey, I want to learn about you. Help me out. I'm going to start paying attention. Now I'm going to start looking at your colors and how you grow and when you grow. Um, and the thing about cannabis and everyone should realize this, why was it that cannabis was chosen to be socially engineered in something like the early twenties, there were fields and fields upon fields of hemp growing because there was nothing better to make rope out of. As a matter of fact, when I was a roadie, um, the Spreckles Theater, which they call a hemp house, still had natural hemp rope, and it was for a reason. They never replaced the hemp rope with new nylon synthetic. That hemp house always had more hemp rope to replace the old hemp rope, and it was more than just tradition, the reason they did it. Now, at some point, all of a sudden, the hemp fields are gone. Here comes the social engineering. At some point, oh, you can't have a joint anymore. That's illegal. You're going to get arrested if that. Then at some point, it gets reintroduced with drug culture and music. Do you see? It's such an amazing plant. I mean, amazing. If you compare cannabis to almost any other plant I know, it is mind-blowingly complex and amazing. And the things you can do with it are nearly endless from healing to building. Yep, Definitely. We can know about it. Let's let's go into like learning. How would we learn about this plant? What it can do by just using our five senses. So common sense, of course, when using five senses, not to and trying trying to find things out about plants. We're I don't want you to poison yourself. Learn about understand it's not a poisonous plant if you're going to try this with any any plant that you find. But and also just a little disclaimer. You know, this is just information. It's not any of the stuff that we get into the realm of like medicine and stuff like that. It's not medical advice. So just by tasting a plant, you know, if you want, if you went up to a cannabis and just tasted, tasting it without knowing anything about the plant, I don't, I've never seen it before. I could taste it and I could find, I could tell you what would be, what this plant would be indicated for. I could tell you why it would be contraindicated. Um, I could smell it. I can do the same thing. And I, and this is known as organoleptic testing. And there's our earthly senses, and I'm grounding a beginning that with a caveat that you know if we're limiting ourselves to uh, putting too much emphasis on the world, um, but I really want to uh, invite the idea of bringing in the spiritual senses as well. And but anyway, organoleptics um, tasting, organoleptic senses. There's um, there's some companies, herbal companies that are on the radar in the FDA, and they are familiar with the machine called a spectrometer. And the spectrometer is some, basically something that's a fancy device you put. Uh, let's say a drop of a tincture formula and it shines some lights through it, through a prism. 
and it beeps and it boops and uh, records the variations and then it cross-references with an already uh, compiled database. It provides the names of like the chemical constituents and alkaloids and polyphenols and all this really boring um, stuff like that. But basically it's like looking at the parts of a whole and assuming that the parts are what are the quote unquote active ingredients or the parts are what make it the whole or the cause of the reaction. And what it doesn't tell you is what plants are there. This herbal company that I'm talking about, it, it was kind of audited by the FDA. And when they said that they could tell with greater accuracy, and they tested this, that the contents of their formulas blindly, they would just put, they would, you know, take a tincture bottle, look at it, taste it and say exactly what plants were in there. Having a mental catalog of this, not a pre-recorded catalog, but a mental catalog of the energetic patterns. This is through experience. Um, and they were successful. And the FDA had no choice but to concede that the organoleptics that we can develop ourselves are a valid way of testing goods. And it's not an appeal to authority with the FDA. I don't really care. But it's just, I just mentioned it as an example of the limitations of technology and the uh, ways that we can exceed uh, this in our, with ourselves, with what we can learn. Um, the base level, base, base level gifts, base level gifts. And it's not about memorizing uh, what is written. This is, the, this is the thing I like to teach about. It's not about memorizing what is written. Um, that's, the, that's what Paracelsus was also against. He was saying, look, I, I want to be able to know something. I, maybe I've read that like ginger, I've heard that ginger is good for tummy aches, right? And, oh, I have a tummy ache. I know that ginger is good for it. I read it somewhere, but I also read in that article that it was like not good for something, some t- t- people's tummy aches or... I can't remember which ones. Oh, I'm scratching my head because I, because um, I'm appealing to this authority or this resource that I read. Instead, I'm talking about basing information on visceral knowledge, developing relationships with the plants, with natural world through experience, knowing the conditions of what we're working with, um, learning the patterns, learning the conditions that are presented, recognizing them as patterns, as energetic patterns, the things that we're dealing with. I noticed. We can make a distinction here. Maybe uh, all the things that you've been talking about are based on a foundational thought pattern based on the four elements, fire, water, earth, and air. If we want to get magical, we can talk about the fifth, which most people call ether, but let's stick to the four. By the way, the number four is the stablest of numbers, which is why, of course, your evening news uses the number four to encode death. It's the flip, flip side of stability would be unstability. We live in a world of duality, so they take the negative tack. But there are four elements, there are four cardinal directions, there are four seasons. Do you see how this all fits in? And um, Dylan may go to other systems that use different numbers, but it's the same idea all over. But here's the point. In the way that you're thinking about this, you kind of have to think in the elemental way, don't you? Have you ever heard of scientists saying, well, we want to do this scientific procedure, but we've got to wait for spring. (laughs) You know, it doesn't work that way. They don't care. Uh, it doesn't, the whole point of science is not to care what season it is. Occasionally they may say, well, it's frozen, so we can't do this thing we want to do. We've got to wait for things to thaw. But with the elemental system, the season is the foundation, right? And that really is a stark underpinning to where you're going using your visceral talents as opposed to, I guess you were describing ideas of science. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, just go, come back to our, my compass of knowing again, we got our four seasons. Each one of those uh, crosses between those seasons represents a quality. So 
we have our four elements, hot, uh, sorry, uh, earth, air, fire, water. And then in between each one, we have hot, cold, damp, dry. And if we're standing in the middle and we're not talking about our fifth element here, but we're talking about the movement between each one of these qualities, I say tense and relaxed. Or if I make it, I make it easy. I make one syllable words for each one, hot, cold, damp, dry, tense, lax. Hot, I'm not talking about the temperature of the plant. I could stick a thermometer in a cayenne pepper and a thermometer and a cucumber, and they're going to be the same reading. But I'm talking about increased something that's increasing our activity or something that's um, ex- exciting. Elevating vibration, maybe a way to say that? Yeah, that's a great way of saying it. I never thought of it that way. But um, these are these are fractal patterns, by the way. They're not about yeah, I find them in, you find them in the tissues, you find them in the seasons, you find them in the greater ages, you find them in the person's personality, you find them in the times of the day. So we got hot, increased vibration, cold, um, decreased vibration or depression. Uh, there's damp, which is the stagnation of fluid. It's also called stagnation. There's dry. That's the lack of fluid. Sometimes it's called atrophy. Um, there's tense. That's constriction. That's the middle of the vortex coil. That's um, tension. And then there's lax or the lack of containment, relaxation, the expansion of energy um, or the entropy of the barrier that holds it and binds it. It's, that's relaxation. So those are based off the four elements. And I add those, those uh, qualities to, I call them the six tissue states, but those four elements you'll find all around the world, foundational principles from which to build on and which to come back to from Ayurvedic medicine in India, one of the oldest uh, passed down forms of uh, medicine. We have from Chinese medicine uses five elements, but these four elements are there. There's the Greek humoral system, uh, which was really informative to the medicine of the West. All around, and even any indigenous culture will know that there, yeah, there are, you know, these four elements, they're based on the seasons and they're not theoretical. They're what are in the world, you know? Provable. Provable, absolutely. So maybe we should have Kyle talk about a few of his products that are really, really good, especially the stuff that Rose has had so much success with. Yeah, and definitely. one of the things I could say is uh, the throat spray he sent me, fantastic, because obviously I speak a lot and also I sing and it uh, it just massages the old vocal cords into happiness. Oh, the magic gullet, you mean? <laughs> yeah i like so it's funny like in my field i can't make claims this is really fun i love being an honor and not making claims you can't make medicinal claims it's um at first when i started learning about this stuff i was like oh man i really want to call it like throat healer spray or something like that but you can't make these claims so you have to make you have to i come up with creative ways and think of puns to name my products that conveys the idea of what they do without explicitly making the claims. And so that's really fun. So there's the magic gullet. Uh, I sent, we talked about the super berries or the buried treasure. It's called um, the super berry cider that you, one of the uh, alternate names for that was uh, berry, berry me be cider, but I decided to go with <laughs> buried treasure. Um, the uh, yeah. So I make, a ton of different medicines. We, for, we, my wife and I, we own an herbal business in Milwaukee and with, you know, we go out and we forage and we bring plants back to our apothecary and we process them and we make them into all kinds of things from teas to tinctures to 
Um, I make my own incense. We make our own. We, I use vinegar a lot as a solvent because I really love um, vinegar as well and salves and everything like that. And we work with local farmers. I'll ask local farmers to grow things. And a lot of our products are just handled by one or two people before they're put into the bottle. I, I'm, I really like to make an emphasis on, you know, the, the quality of the plants. Um, spiritually, the, you know, cultivating the spiritual space, the psychic space, you know, burning some incense, you know, chanting, praying. I pray to my, I pray to my products. I tell, I ask them to go to the people that they need to go to. There's some, there's a Sanskrit chant that I do in my heart. Dr. Amoto, anyone, you see where this is going? Oh, I love his work too. Embedding that goodly intention into the liquid. It's so important. I'll kick somebody out of the kitchen that <laughs> I think has a bad attitude. <laughs> the cooler. It's, <laughs> it's like that movie, the cooler. The guy with the bad attitude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I haven't seen that one, but I, yeah, that's the thing. I could feel it. I could feel it too. When you're when you're operating in a in a space with love and high principles and healing and um, and doing something that you love, working with your hands too, I think is so important to uh, work with your hands and put this intention into your hands. And then, um, so we have we have that. We and we have an herbs sh- uh, shop in Milwaukee which is beautiful. If you're ever in, in um, Southeast Wisconsin, come by. I do a lot of classes. I do uh, herbal programs all year long. And then I have an online store that you could find stuff at too. And I also do consultations, consult with people. I make custom formulas every day. So if there's somebody listening that needs something in particular, then let me know. I'll be happy to help you. I don't charge for consultations. I uh, either, I have like a, it's a donation based thing. I, but I, I usually just do like 20 minutes or something like that. We talk and then um, it's kind of based on, let me see if I, I want to make the best recommendation. I want to, I want to make sure that I can make something that it helps you. And um, you're, it, I found that like, if people just grab things willy nilly, then sometimes it, it doesn't work. And sometimes it, people just need a little guidance. And it's also amazing how the people's intuition too, like they'll pick up something and they'll bring it to me and they'll say, Hey, what is this? Um, what is, the, what is this good for? And I'll say, you know, all these things that this plant has been traditionally used for. And, and it's, they're like looking at me like, yep, yep. Check, 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 check. That's exactly what I needed, but they don't have any idea. And it's, it's, it's amazing that like people can gravitate towards something based off of, I don't know how it feels or, or I don't know what, how it is, but I, I love the intuitive process too. So if uh, that's why, you know, I think that's how Rose uh, was guided through um, healing in our in our shop. I, I uh, she just went online and got some of our our stuff. And it, if she would have talked to me before, I probably would have recommended other things. But I um, and I'm glad I didn't because I I want to give Rose a lot of credit for her intuition. And that's the other thing too. And I think that people can develop these these things of knowing what they need and maybe not even needing to know why or the logic behind it or anything like that. But just just being like, that's what I need right now. And that's pretty cool. As far as I know, correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, um, those products have given Rose the biggest help that I'm aware of. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was the whole point. She absolutely uh, really improved, uh, especially with her stomach. She started taking, well, actually multiples of things several times a day for weeks. And uh, the last time she got an internal scan, she was totally healed. And she'd like to think that it uh, at least in somewhat has to do with this. So now that I'm getting back into the swing of things and the moment you had sent me the products and I'd heard from Rose, I want to put up a sponsorship link 
uh, from the website. So why not ask it on the air? Normally we do this off the air, but are you set up so we could do a sponsorship link off an image from each of my episodes? Sure. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'll, I'll even throw a discount in for Crow listeners too. Cool. We'll talk about this off the air. I'll need a link and we'll set it up so it can be tracked. So I just want to close out with a little Paracelsus because I had to walk outside while you were doing the conversation. So everybody knows, even in Paracelsus's name, there's an interesting bit of information. It basically means para and then Celsus. So it means, as, as I understand it, equal to or better than some dude that lived before named Celsus, who was a master, known high up master of alchemy back in the day. So Paracelsus's name Typically, when they master it, they give themselves, it often becomes a Latin name, actually, in the era we know about. So I was reading some Paracelsus, and by the way, a lot of it is difficult reading for people that aren't used to it. And that was the first time I ever heard, and I don't remember the plants off the top of my head, but some guy was going to make a spagyric with, I think it was basil. And uh, in the text, the guy was reading, it said, but if you really want to get all the bang for your buck... You want to plant that basil, and I think it was rosemary, I could be wrong, next to a rosemary. And it said, because there is a simpatico between those two plants, which will boost what you're trying to do with the basil. And by the way, you should have planted that basil at this time, and you'll want to watch the phases of the moon until you're ready, which will need to be harvested at this time. Then when you process that, you know, it goes on and on and on. And I think this bears outlining because we can operate at the level we are as we learn again. But there is a level of specificity, which we still have records for through people like Paracelsus, that border on magical when you've hit the nail on the head down to the moment in each aspect of what you've done to include what that plant was growing next to. And I've also read things like, well, that particular dandelion is almost always found growing next to this other thing you think is a weed. Um, And there's a reason for that. And I think these ideas, you need to consider what's going on in nature. And that's typically what we overlook. But in Paracelsus's time, they were close to nature and they probably had spiritual vision. What are we talking? 1600s? That's about the time we lost it, I think. Yep, that's right. 1600s. So anything else you want to add or should we give out contact and prep up for hour two? Yeah, let's uh, let's prep for hour two. I want to jump in and we'll talk about our discernment of the senses and we'll, um, and we'll go from there. We'll talk and we'll even use some plants for particular examples and talk about these senses in detail. And so, yeah, find me at tippecanoeherbs.com, T-I-P-P-E-C-A-N-O-E, herbs, H-E-R-B-S.com, uh, and tippecanoeherbs at gmail.com or Herbalist Bear on the Crow and Bertaria times. All right. So everybody knows there will be a new 100 by 150, those little images. It will be on the bottom row, just above the episode image. It's under the audio player, but just above the episode image, the Tippy Canoe link that gets you 10% off whatever we land on here will be at the bottom. And if you click on that, he'll know you came from here and you'll get the benefit of having the reduction in price. I really liked how you brought the guitar in. And the reason is, is because I'm aware of it, but when I'm sitting here with my headphones on and I heard it, your brain switches over and you're able to think in a different way. So I, I think it's a good way to go. Jason, anything you want to want to get in before we wrap up and get ready for hour two? Well, I hate to sound like a commercial, but I do want to say how much I have enjoyed the multiple products I've used by these fine folks. They definitely are on the right path. 
my wife has had asthma problems most of her life. And there were two or three things that Kyle sent me. And I mean, it was less than a day that the breathing had improved. And I was like honor with the, uh, the little berry juice we were talking about. I'm telling her, you know, that's not a Slurpee. <laughs> you're, you're just supposed to take a tablespoon, you know, or a teaspoon <laughs> a couple of times a day. She's over there. Now, I went, this is so good. I want to drink it. I'm on. I don't think that's, you know, but unlike a pharmaceutical, it won't make you, uh, Puke, shit, die. <laughs> oh, no, n- no, none of that. But um, it was just that good. That's, that's what I'm referencing. Anyhow, let's wrap up and prep for hour two. So that is hour one of episode 410 with Kyle Denton and Jason Lindgren. And everyone should check out Tippy Canoe. The products are not just top notch, but the person putting them together knows some things. And there's where the rubber meets the road. People like Fortune. Uh, that's the whole thing there. The, the intent and the knowing in the individual is really far beyond the icing on top of the cake. I hope everyone will join us for hour two at pro777radio.com, C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com. And I'd like to wish everybody in the entire world a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. Cheers.
the enemy of knowing. Come.